Welcome to season two of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary, and I'm here to convince my friend Teach that Melrose Place is a trashy, trashy soap opera, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, I'm Teach. I'm here to convince my good friend Mary that this show counts as high art for the generations, a time capsule into the future, and the future is now. The future is indeed now. And you know what's great is this is not a recap podcast because we're too busy having all these intellectual debates. Yes, we highly recommend that you pair us with your rewatch of Melrose Place. It will um, enhance the artistic integrity of the show. Mm, I guess that's one way to put it. You know, I can't believe we've made it to season two already. How far along are we in the grand scheme of things? Uh, we're about uh, 11%. That seems lower than I would like. Well, there's the seven seasons, plus the reboot season. Oh, God. Uh, this season had the lowest number of episodes. I guess that's forward to. And we only had five special episodes in season one, so season two is going to get longer. Oh, boy. Buckle up. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Melrose Place cast. We're back. We're starting with season two, episode one, titled Much Ado About Everything. I'm Mary. And I am Teej. Oh, my God, we're back. We're Mary, we never took a break. We just did five special episodes. God, they were just so much fun that it's like I wasn't even working. You know... We'll just, for our listener, we'll just take a 30-second detour before we get to the meat of the episode, or the tofu of the episode. Mm. There there are three other Melrose Place podcasts, as of this recording, right? There may be more in the future. Oh, yeah. But, of course, we've got Again With This, and they, they're they professionals. They're just strumming along every week a new episode. They have audio clips. They have a producer. That They're not like us. They're great. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> I mean, we're great, too, but I mean, you know, they're, so, they're we'll, professionals. Like you said, they're professionals. Yeah, we're never They wrote a book about Beverly Hills 90210. I know. I wish I had yeah. ever seen that show because then I would I would listen to that part of the podcast, but I'd never seen the other show. So, yeah. Anyway, so we've got them. Of course, uh, we have our friends Nan and Christopher with Melrose Sheltering in Place cast. Yeah. And they're doing three episodes at a time. So they're going to finish the series quickly in about a year and a half. They were smart. They were smart. (laughs) And then we've got Dan and Jenny who uh, started, they do one episode at a time, just like us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they started a couple years ago. Oh, wow. And they're running out of steam, Mary. And my question for you is, do you think we'll catch up? So here's, they did, they're on season five, episode two. That's their most recent episode. Okay. Published on February 1st. Oh, well, the show might have broken them. I mean, that's fair. The one before that was November 25th. Oh. Then September 30th, September 15th, August 12th, July 20th, May 5th. You are very thorough in your research. Well, maybe they have other things they're doing. Maybe they have other projects and... They've got kids. They've got kids. Oh, God. See, I don't have any kids. So I have nothing but time to talk to you about Melrose Place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to catch up to them. We might. Yeah. Well, you know, oh. as I've said in the past, I can see how this show might break people. Like, 
because it's it can, it can be a lot, especially if you have other things going on. Disagree. It was high art for the generations this week. Oh, was it? Uh, you know, I did take a fresh set of eyes, you know, with a new season, a new season, new me, right? But <laughs> this one uh, had three moments. I'll, ju- I'll just give you the teaser. Are you ready? Oh, boy, am I ever. Okay. Um, one quote. Our relationship has developed into what you might call a romance. Jesus. <laughs> Another one was, quote, I know what you're going through. And then the final one was, hide your shit, but please pay the rent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot this happened so soon. I was doing <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to get started and trying to convince me this is going to be high art? Yes. But you know what? Just something just for fun. Just this episode only. You've heard the three points. Pick which one I should go with first. Oh, God. This is a lot of pressure. Um, I'm going to go with the first one. Our relationship has developed into what you might call a romance. <laughs> this is so here's what's happening for our listeners in case you haven't watched the episode recently. Uh, season one ended. Keith was back. He jumped Billy and is talking to Allison, but Allison doesn't know it. Keith has gone psycho and is talking to Allison for a dramatic effect. Uh, Allison and Billy are officially dating, although that didn't seem fully clear at the end of season one, but is now. And I'm glad they... you're confused about that, too. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I had yeah. a while where I went, oh, okay. That's a thing. Okay. So they've established they're officially dating and they're going to tell Amanda, who's still very into Billy, and they're going to tell Keith, who's really into Allison, at the end of the party. They can't, well, Allison can't, because she gets too drunk and she passes out, and Keith, I'm quite sure, was uh, about to date rape her. Yep. 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 Uh, Allison was passed out, and Keith put her on her bed and unzipped her dress and was touching her back, and I think if this had, if this show was airing in today's time, it would have been much more explicit and gone much further, Uh, but it stopped because Billy knocked down the door um, and Keith answered and Billy sent him home, which I found odd. But did you notice the detail? They still had the deadbolt on the door that Allison had put on there when Billy wore her bra, her bra on yes, his head. Yes. I mean, all things considered, Billy wearing the bra was less bad than what Keith was doing. But I I was a little worried when I heard that deadbolt click. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but so the next day, Allison is out with Keith and she, t- she tells him, she tells him, you know, that she's still with Billy. And the way she says it is so dramatic. That was the quote. Keith, it's just our relationship has developed into what you might call a romance. <laughs> Shut up, Allison. Go back to Wisconsin. That's what I thought. And Keith said, so I guess we can only be friends. Yeah. And Allison said, and this is the actual high art point. She said, no. Yeah. I guess that's what I mean, if it's all right. <laughs> and that moment captured to me a real serious problem we we still have to this day in American society, where women are socialized and trained to be very, very, very deferential to men, to the point that when a woman is not, and when a woman is just merely assertive, she's classified as a bitch and all sorts of other, other bad things. Um, but here in this situation, she's literally telling Keith, I have a boyfriend. And he says, so I can't be your boyfriend. And she, no, yeah, I guess, if that's all right. It, it struck me as um, 
exactly what Dan Savage talks about all the time, which is women are socialized to be deferential and it causes problems because women in a way that men will never understand uh, have a, a genuine and legitimate fear of sexual violence from men. And uh, I thought this was an example of it. Now, she doesn't even know the key that's stalking her. I don't know how that bitch hasn't figured that out yet, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just for fun, the storyline finishes. Keith smashes his head on the TV and then claims he was jumped by the same guy that jumped Billy. But I imagine we're going to talk about that later. Oh, I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my higher point. The differential treatment women give towards men. I will allow that that is the is high art. However, who talks like she just talked in this the line about what you might call a romance? It's like something someone on Downton Abbey would say. Like that, like someone in their twenties in Los Angeles in the nineteen nineties. It's is ridiculous. It's such a it's such a clunky line. And like I get that Allison is kind of nerdy and clunky, but I don't think even she would talk this stupidly. Okay. Well, and she's definitely soft pedaling it because she doesn't want to anger him. Sure, but it's still just it's so like it's such a highfalutin way to get it out. Like I don't know, it's silly. Hmm. <laughs> you know what else else is silly? Hmm. Thundercats. Not where I thought you were going. <laughs> but here, sure. Well, you know, why don't we next? Why don't we go to a trashy point? Oh, good. Um, someone needs to tell Matt that he doesn't work for Amanda. <laughs> so we opened this episode at a big party. And there, it's a very big party. I would say there's like 100 people at the apartment complex. We've never seen any of these people before. We really don't even see most of the people who live there. It's mostly extras wandering around. And they're like shoving each other in the pool. And they're dancing and eating. And By the we- way, this is... Amanda has no friends party. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And so we see Amanda come walking through and she's all easy breezy, beautiful and greeting these friends of hers. And as she passes Matt, who's in the courtyard, she hands him some drinks and tells him to go put them on ice. And he (laughs) he scampers off to do it right away. (laughs) Later, uh, Allison gets home from work and she's got Keith with her. And Matt walks by again out in the courtyard. And he's carrying a blender and a bag of ice. And he says, the drinks are at his place. The food's at Amanda's. And I'm like, Matt, you don't have to do this. This is a <laughs> party. You don't even know Amanda, barely. Uh, later, uh, Amanda's wandering around the party. She's kind of looking for Billy because she wants to get back with Billy. And she finds him at Matt's. And Matt's making drinks with the blender. And she tells Matt, oh, my God, someone just kicked over one of your speakers. And he's all flustered and he runs off, presumably to get his speakers wherever they are. Uh, And then finally, as this party is wrapping up, this is a moment chef's kiss to whoever did this. We see Matt struggling with this giant speaker he's dragging across the courtyard. While at the exact same time in the same shot, we see Billy helping Amanda move one folding chair. (laughs) She couldn't do that by herself. Girl, Billy, go help Matt with the speaker. (laughs) She just had a miscarriage. That was already a while ago. I would like to say Doug Savant does a fantastic job at playing like a beleaguered put upon person. He is so funny and it's so subtle. Like it's just, it's a wonderful little thing that they ran through this and 
this also I felt like was realistic to how Matt would actually be at most parties. Like I was thinking yeah. back season one at Thanksgiving dinner when he was all put upon and like trying to make dinner like everybody's mom would make and he was just exhausted and doing all the work. It was just really funny little comic relief. Uh, and again, fairly subtle for Melrose Place. And it really made me chuckle. And I also felt bad for Matt because I bet he misses Rhonda because he doesn't really have anyone to play with right now. And also Rhonda would have never put up with Amanda doing that to her. Oh, oh that would have been fun. You know, a couple of things. One, nobody mentioned Rhonda. And she, she, she didn't even move out. She's just gone. Poof. She's just gone. <laughs> but there were two things about Matt at this party that I think are different than Matt at normal parties. And by normal parties, I'm talking about a bunch of wild people in the canyon. You remember oh, that? When he invented, invited Alice into a wild gay sex party in the canyon? I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> when they said bring a friend, Matt, they did, they did not mean someone who would say, our relationship has developed into what you might call a romance. <laughs> oh. So that's the first thing. Uh, I think Matt would be a little more um, loose at, <laughs> at his canyon parties. <clears throat> so. <laughs> but also, you know, I, I, I accept the 90s fashion was different, but I still don't think that can explain what can only be described as a blouse Matt was wearing. <laughs> uh, a polka dot blouse with a bluish polka dots on white. And a different shade of blue shorts that were not jean shorts, which would have been fine in the 90s, I think. Um, but I don't know what was up with him. And I just, I didn't approve. I want him back in the canyon. But this time bring a camera. <laughs> I, the show, and this isn't going to be an ongoing problem from what I remember. They don't know what to do with Matt. Like, and this has always been a thing with Matt, but as clunky and like goofy as this was, I, I did enjoy it just because it was very like, it was very silly. It was a funny little series of moments. Do you think he was the only out gay person at that party? That's a good question. I don't, you know what? I bet he was because I feel like otherwise they would have really made a big deal of like, Hey Matt. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Steve, have you met Steve? <laughs> like, would, would have been another gay helping him with a speaker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, th- he probably would have helped. Somebody should have been helping him with the speaker. <laughs> well, I would like to transition to my next high art point because it has to do with Matthew. Oh, good. Okay. Well, speak more about Matthew. So, Michael and Jane are getting a divorce. That hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Michael comes into the scene yelling at Jane because he's got papers in his hand and he's like, what is this? And we learned through divorce papers. I don't know what Michael's mad about. This is no surprise, right? Like this is this is good. And we learned that Jane is going for a no-fault divorce, split everything 50-50. She's not trying to get his money. Just let's just end it, right? Mm-hmm. And Michael uh, did not make a good decision and decides to he wants to to fight with Jane about this. I don't know what he wanted. I don't know, I don't know what was in his mind that he wanted, uh, other than the the no-fault divorce. But so he's mad. He's outside Melrose's place. And Matt happens to be there because he was in the scene with Jane. And Matt said to Michael, I, I know what you're going through. And here's the higher point. No, you don't. <laughs> because you can't get married. And Melrose's place 
again is using Matt to drive that point home, putting him right in. First, it was bad enough when he was stuffed into Rhonda's engagement storyline. <laughs> now they're, they're, for no reason, cramming him right into the divorce storyline just to make it very clear, like, this one's different. He doesn't get to do this. It made me very angry. But you know who also ident- identified correctly that Matt didn't know what he was going through? Mm-hmm. Dr. Michael Mancini. He's a smart fellow. And by the way, I know at the end of last season, I was starting to warm up to Michael. That went away. That went away. I didn't feel that today. (laughs) But Matt says, I know what you're going through. And Michael uh, somehow got Amanda's personal, uh, Heather Locklear's personal uh, script writer to write some lines for him. Oh. Because he quickly replied to Matt. I'm not in the mood for one of your sanctimonious lectures, so why don't you save it for one of the disadvantaged masses? <laughs> and to Michael's credit, he immediately realized, like, he just lashed out. He took a breath and he apologized and said, I didn't mean it. And Matt said, yeah, you did, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but I that no, the high art point is... Um, Again, the role that gay people were supposed to play is very peripheral to people's marriages and supposed to be heavily involved, even though it had nothing to do with them. And it was very clear. It, it reminded me again of when they put Matt right next to Rhonda during um, Terrence's engagement uh, serenading. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. It, look, for me, Rhonda was one of my favorite characters, so I remember it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I was actually going to speak about this scene as one of my trashy points. Uh, <laughs> so I could either I could do that now or I could wait. <laughs> oh, well, we got to take a break for the ad because we've got the good sponsors. Oh, God, do we ever. The season two sponsors are lit. Oh, oh my goodness. The money is rolling in. <laughs> because here's the thing. You know, when we were, at least for me, when I was, you know, reaching out to those big corporations and uh, nonprofits. Um, I, they didn't know that we were going to have a sponsor spotlight episode. Oh yeah. It's very lucrative. Yeah. And and they got that at no extra charge. So now all these sponsors, they really, they're, they're coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. No extra charge. Yep. Much, much like gay men coming up on Ronda now that she's engaged. Oh God. They're coming out of the woodwork. Mm. Well, let's take a break and we'll come right back to your trashy point. All right. Sounds good. Mary, if you're anything like our listeners, this time of year just has you feeling one thing. Freedom. Mm. Because it's the 4th of July. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You're feeling freedom. You just want to sing your whole life from the rooftop. Nothing can stop you. But as you know, freedom isn't free, Mary. Mm. So you can get a little, but it goes away. And that is the the core concept behind our sponsor this week. Dr. Michael Mancini has started a new business. Wow. He's going to need a little extra revenue, if you know (laughs) what I mean. Sweet Nothings by Dr. Mancini. (laughs) Look, here's the thing. You got yourself a honey, and you want them to know that they are the only one for you. But it's just between us. (laughs) There are 
<laughs> there's a few different options Ooh. that uh, Dr. Michael Mancini is, is making available to our listeners. Oh. Now, you're, you're going to use the promo code HIDE. <laughs> and when you enter that promo code, it adds an extra tip for Michael. He's being sued for future earnings. So he's going to need a little extra. <laughs> he just ends me. But you can call him and for your honey, you will get delivered a beautiful bouquet of flowers that they can take a picture of and then it will take them back. <laughs> or maybe you would like one of those big cardboard hearts filled with eight kinds of different chocolates. You know, the, maybe the kinds with the map of what flavors they are. Yeah. Yeah. He'll get that. He'll deliver that to your sweetheart. And she or he or they can just only eat the coconut ones, though. <laughs> Everything else has got to stay in there. The mint meltaways, the peanut butter, the, the dark chocolate inside milk chocolate. That's all got to stay. Oh. Because if there's too many missing, then she'll know. <laughs> or Dr. Michael Mancini can organize for you and your honey a nice, long, romantic walk on the beach. Um but he can't be there. Uh, neither can your honey. Instead, you get Matt. <laughs> He's available. It's sweet and nothing at the same time. Sweet nothings by Dr. Michael Mancini. Hide your shit and pay the rent. <laughs> wow, what a entrepreneurial spirit Dr. Michael Mancini has shown over the years. $49.99. What a parking. <laughs> Um, wow. And this, what I like about this is that, um, it really, there's a lot of room for expansion. Like I could see Dr. Mancini really coming up with some great ideas for different holidays, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, maybe like a, some sort of a, a Christmas special where, oh, I don't know, you go and take a picture of, of yourselves, you know, together visiting Santa, but then maybe he blackens your face out of the photo. <laughs> like you can't tell who was there or yep yep i mean maybe a halloween party where you can be at the party with your honey but they're in such a great disguise that no one knows they're there <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh like the idea of that with the chocolates because it also seems like you know if if dr mancini is a little hungry then he can be pulling out of those too because you know he's it's hard to stretch his budget to get food when he's you know getting sued for future earnings Gosh, I, it seems like, you know, Dr. Mancini probably came up with some of these ideas from, you know, his personal life experience. What a wonderful way to put his experiences to work for others, to help them through, you know, possibly similar situations where, say, they have a spouse and then, you know, someone on the side. Mm -hmm. They're honey. They're honey. Yeah. 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 Wow. So you can give them flowers, but they, they can take a picture. They can keep the picture. Just uh, you can't be in the picture with them. Can they post the picture on social? No, 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 no. Uh, we're going to need you to shut down your social too. <laughs> or just really, really keep that, keep it clean. Like just cat memes. Nothing no, cat if you can just keep your phone in the closet, please. Uh, also, I can't pay for my cell phone. So you're going to need to pay for both. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, gotcha. I, I, this just really, again, I want to applaud his spirit of ingenuity. Um, 
you know, between him and his associate, Dr. Kimberly Shaw, you know, there's, as far as I know, they're just work calls. Who? Who? Dr. He, does, he, he doesn't know her. No, but I just, I, no, I. They don't know each other. Oh, okay. <laughs> her stuff is not in his house. What's that car doing parked outside? What? Huh? What? It, it looks like huh? Dr. Shaw's car by this beach. What? You're breaking up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, we record with the anchor app and sometimes the signal isn't great. Well, we should shut this down, Mary. Yeah. We've Just got- remember, Sweet Nothings by Dr. Michael Mancini. Use promo code HIDE and we will add 10% to your bill. <laughs> it's for a good cause. <laughs> My name is Tej, and I'm here continuing to, to take up the fight that this is high art for the generations. I'm Mary. I'm still saying it's trash. And you're queued up. You're coiled up for another one. I'm coiled and ready to strike. <laughs> Let's go. Let's hear it. Uh, as you pointed out prior to our uh, commercial break, it's bad enough that he couldn't get married at the time. Did the writers really have to stick Matt into a scene between two straights getting divorced? Uh, <laughs> so Jane is in the scene, opening of the scene, running out to work with an arm just draped full of junk. I couldn't even tell what it was. She drops her purse as she passes Matt. And so he nicely leans down and he starts picking up stuff as she's dropping it. And again, I'm like, why is Matt everybody's bitch? <laughs> like, this is fine. So she gets to her car and Michael comes zooming up really fast and slams on the brake and jumps out of his car. And I rewound it because at first I thought he either hit her car or Matt's car, but I don't think he did. Anyway, like you said, he, uh, Michael is furious because he got served divorce papers when he came out of surgery one day at work. And Jane's like, bitch, I told you we're getting divorced. <laughs> Michael's like, you should have given me a heads up. And she's like, what's the point? My mind's made up. We already know what's happening here. And this Matt interjects and I laughed so hard. I paused it. He just is leaning back and he goes, ah, uh, I'll just wait back here. Which <laughs> is very funny because you kind of forgot he was there for a minute like normal. It was very entertaining. Uh, Jane tells Michael she wants a no-fault divorce. Just sign the papers. They split it 50-50. But he's outraged because she listed that he committed acts of mental cruelty as a cause. And he goes, I'm not admitting to mental cruelty or anything else. I'm a doctor. This could affect my reputation. And I was like, oh, he still thinks he has a good reputation. Jane goes, oh, please. The only thing that hurts is your pride. Michael won't sign anything, he says. And Jane speeds off. Like you pointed out, Matt tries to calm him down, and Michael yells, I lost everything when she threw me out. I lost my apartment and all my friends. Michael thinks everyone's taking Jane's side, and Matt says, well, she's the one who got hurt. (laughs) You're not helping, Matt. No. (laughs) And like you pointed out, Michael very bitchily replies, like, I'm not in the mood for one of your sanctimonious lectures, which was a funny line. And it was very Amanda-esque. Well said when you brought that up. Uh, he pauses, he says he's sorry, and then Matt comes back and he's like, I don't think you are out of line. I think it's right in line with all the crap you're pulling. Excuse me, I've got to get out of here. And he gets in his car to drive off to work. And I was like, yay, Matt, because this was such a crummy scene for him to be wedged into. And I'm glad he got at least one little moment of dignity, because uh, they will continue to be few and far between. <laughs> I, I have to assume they finally got a gay person on the writing staff who was like, uh, no, we're bitchy people. Yeah. We're... <laughs> yeah, Matt does get a little bitchier as time goes on, which is fun because he seem, he's good at it, too. Like, the actor is good at it. I well, also... It's the gay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I also felt like his line, 
I'll just wait back here kind of sums up his time on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Matt. (laughs) You know, I read an article um, when searching for Melrose Place news, and this went back several years, but Darren Starr, one of the things he regrets is that the network would not let them show Matt having a a guy-on-guy kiss in one of the season finales. Yeah. They blew up the building. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. After Oklahoma City. Yep. Yep. But Matt Matt couldn't kiss a dude. I know. It's kind of... I don't know. It's kind of astounding that that was a thing. I mean, I I was alive at the time, and so, I, I mean... Do you remember the dust up when Roseanne kissed a woman on her show? Yeah. 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 It was, they, they hyped it. Like it's, it's coming, it's happening, you know, so the parents can put their kids to bed. I, you know, I, I see you made the exact same scene that I said was high art and you said it was trashy. The same scene. <laughs> Isn't that the glory of Melrose place that we can have so many interpretations? No, the glory of Melrose place is Amanda Woodward. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> well, Mary, let me take one last swing at my high art point. Okay. Okay. It has to do with uh, a woman who is still sweet, uh, sweet, sweet Kimberly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's, she's, look, yes, she knowingly got involved with a married man. She did not lie about it ever. You know, she, mm-hmm. when she was at that restaurant, she couldn't, she couldn't keep up the covers. She didn't cause a scene. She just left um, when Jane and Michael when Jane showed up on a date that Kimberly and Michael were having. <laughs> and when Jane confronted Kimberly at the hospital, Kimberly told the truth. It's still happening. <laughs> so I give her some credit for that. But Kimberly and Michael, they find the beach house and she, they decide to get it. And she is so happy. She's so happy. Yeah. Uh, Michael is hers. Everything is falling into place. She gets to live on the beach. Uh, they can afford it. Everything's great. They go out on a date, and lo and behold, Jane and all the other girls from Melrose Place are at the same restaurant, and it rubs Jane the wrong way, so Jane decides that she is going to sue Michael for everything like Amanda convinced her to do. So, Michael comes home, finds out that he's getting sued for everything, and Kimberly has a fancy romantic night plan, and Michael, I think he literally says, let me interrupt you, Kimberly. (laughs) (laughs) And it just drops out of nowhere. You're going to have to hide your stuff. (laughs) Anything you have, it goes in a closet. (laughs) And and he ends by saying he's not going to be able to pay the rent. (laughs) I I can just think, okay, so the writer's room. I, I I do not believe for a second that anyone came to that meeting with this end result in mind fully formed. <laughs> Someone came and thought, hide your shit. Someone came and thought, let's keep it on the down low. Someone came and thought, I can't pay the rent. But they just put it all together. And <laughs> is the biggest jacket. <laughs> <laughs> but we start to learn we start to learn that Michael either um He's uh, got some skills or he's got some size. He's got something because Kimberly, she takes it in and then she says, you know, I just want to be with you. So if I have to hide, I'll hide. Now, how are you going to hide your car in a house that doesn't have a garage? (laughs) Who knows? 
Those windows don't seem to have blinds on them. That's another problem. Also, you're fucking in the elevator at the hospital. I (laughs) I don't get it. Making out in the parking lot numerous times. Right next to the front door by her alleged parking spot. But Kimberly makes it very clear that in order to to be with Michael, she will concede to these ridiculous conditions that are not fair, appropriate, healthy, or <laughs> or correct. And I think it's the beginning of Michael realizing um, just the power that he has over Kimberly, mm-hmm. and he is gonna use it. Oh, so God. why is this high art? You might ask, because I. <laughs> And I think, um, I think it was the the demand Michael made of like, you're gonna have to hide your shit and pay the rent. <laughs> so he, here's 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 what happened from his perspective. He's screwed for reasons that are actually his fault, but he wouldn't accept that. He's getting sued for all of his money. Mm-hmm. He's probably gonna lose because I think James correct that she's got a case here. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he's created this mess and then he's got to turn to the woman and say, what do you want me to do? You're going you're to have to fix this. I'm sorry. And he was he really just did seem comfortable with being like, you're going to have to do it. I'm sorry. What do you want from me? <laughs> he's so bad. Yeah. Men suck. And you know what else sucks, Mary? Hmm. Marriage. Oh, boy. <laughs> Look at what it did to Kimberly. And she didn't even get married yet. <laughs> Well, she brought this on herself. <laughs> oh, no. We don't blame Kimberly. <laughs> I I knew this was coming. Because, again, we watched the first couple of seasons of the show a number of years ago. But I didn't remember this part happening so quickly. The whole, you have to hide your clothes. Because <laughs> I remember having a lot of fun making jokes about this over the course of this season. And... There's times where, like, Michael's yelling at her to do the laundry and stuff, and we would joke, like, I don't have any clothes here. (laughs) It's just very funny, and I don't know. It's it's just a funny little series of things that happens with this. And I mean, she hasn't even had her head injury yet, and she's going along with this. I don't understand. (laughs) He's got skills or he's got size. He's got something. I don't know. I mean, and the fact that, like, as the season goes on now, she just keeps, like, making dinner and, like, cleaning and doing his laundry and ironing his shirts. And I, she, when she first came on the show, she seemed like a female character that really kind of had her shit together. Like, she's a doctor. She has this career plan. She mm-hmm. make fun of the, like, loser boyfriend she had gone out with and how she was doing better than that. And, I mean, clearly... Clearly, she has a pattern in her life that she has not broken yet. Okay. So, let me tell you this. When Kimberly exits the series, Michael gets confronted by her mother, who says, do you know what she was like before she met you? And kind of laid out all the things you just said. And really just lays into Michael, which is good. Okay. Thomas Calibro in real life has a cameo account, and I listened to some of the ones that he posted. Yeah. And someone asked him, who is your favorite Melrose Place wife? And oh. he said Jane because of the first love. Oh. And, and fifth, but that's another story. <laughs> but he ran through his wives. And he said the one he felt the worst for 
was Megan because of all of them, that's the one he treated the worst. So everything he does to Kimberly and Jane and Sydney, <laughs> it gets worse, Mary. Oh my God. How is that possible? I guess it is. I guess I'll have to see. We'll see in, in about four years. Oh my God. There'll be a reboot. I swear to God, there'll be a reboot before we get to the end. Oh my God, I'd be so happy. God, you want a reboot so bad. It's... I want it so bad. It's like Kimberly with Michael. <laughs> I'll, look, look, I'll hide my shoes and pay the rent. <laughs> I'll do whatever it takes. I'll iron your shirts, Melrose Place. Just, Just give me that reboot. Yep, give me that. But, but, but I will not iron Matt's blue polka dot blouse. <laughs> I think you will if they ask you to. Okay, I will. <laughs> you know, if they do reboot it, they're going to have a gay character that is so fucking wild and gay. And just so, doing all the things they would Matt couldn't do in the 90s. I hope they bring Matt back as like an elder gay who is also having a great time with his life. I, he deserves yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> And then he can tell stories about randomly just bring up in conversation. You know, that's just like my friends with HIV and AIDS. I hope he brings up, this is a spoiler alert if people haven't watched more of the show yet. I hope he tells them stories about the time he gets married to the Russian lady. Just confuse people. (laughs) Who looks a lot like Kimberly, by the way. She kind of does, yeah. All right. Well, Mary, uh, you've got one more swing at a trashy point. I've come ready, I think. Okay. Uh, I just want to say, hell hath no fury like Jane Mancini after a night out at Shooters for girls. <laughs> for girls. Um, to clarify, well, I'll get to it. Okay, so uh, prior to Shooters for Girls, there is an evening where we see Joe, Amanda, and Jane, and they're out by the pool. And it's only the first episode of the season, but Joe has already brought enough Chinese food to feed an army. Uh, Jane is swimming while they're talking about her divorce and they're telling her she's letting Michael off the hook way too easy. She had to put up with him going through medical school and his internship and managing the building. Amanda points out that now Kimberly is going to benefit when he becomes a big time surgeon and quote, you're left to eke out a modest living on your own. <laughs> like, oh, so you're not confident in the long-term viability of Mancini Designs, are we, Amanda? <laughs> uh, well, she's seen the, she's seen the work. That's fair, right? Uh, so they're telling her she should sue him for future earnings. And Amanda's like, you literally caught that bastard with his pants down. <laughs> and Jane's like, no, I just want my freedom. And Joe understands because, you know, she's from New York and has been divorced. And it's because Jane's hurt. And Amanda says, well, then make him hurt, which is mm-hmm. Amanda Ernie who would totally do this. And Jane's like, oh, no, 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 that's just not me. Later, uh, Allison joins them and they go out to a restaurant that I will always refer to as Shooters for Girls. I don't understand this restaurant. We have talked about this in the past when we watch this. The outside establishing shots show this building covered in neon signs. There is literally a motorcycle gang in front of it revving their engine. And then we go inside and it's like a fancy restaurant. (laughs) And I don't understand what this place serves and what crowd they're attracting is this just what fancy places look like in the 90s in LA I don't know uh so the ladies are sitting around a table and it's got like a tablecloth and candles and it's like a nice place which we're not used to seeing anyone go to on this show and 
So they're talking about the divorce again. And then Joe looks uncomfortable and she looks up and they all turn around small town style. And they see Michael and Kimberly getting seated nearby. Kimberly looks up and notices it and subtly says to Michael, Hey, maybe we should go somewhere else. And then he turns and sees Jane. He's like, no, Jane's pushing for divorce. So she better get used to the fact that I'm going out with my life. And so the ladies kind of get back to their talking and they talk, should they leave? And Jane goes, Oh no, I'm fine. Let's just get our menus in order. Cause she's from the Midwest. And they try to make conversation, but Jane keeps turning to look at the other table. She gets up and she goes to the bathroom. We hear her. I don't know if she's actually throwing up or just gagging. All right. We cut presumably the next day to the hospital. Michael is in like a hospital lounge and he's regaling his colleagues with some story about a patient who got a hold of a knife or a syringe. It was unclear. Uh, Jane comes walking in and all the other doctors run away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so she's there because he rejected the quick and simple divorce. And now she's delivering new papers because she's, quote, getting down and dirty. She took Amanda's attorney's advice and he's apparently quite ruthless. And so she's going after the car and the apartment and his future earnings. And I went, ha, 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 ha. Uh, Kimberly will have to testify in court because she's been named as the person he's having an affair with. And Michael is shocked and outraged. He's like, Jane, this is not you. I know you. And she says, Sure you do, about as well as I thought I knew you. Ooh, and she says, see you in court. And he's all mad and huffy. Uh, and then they go into the scene where Michael goes home, the the one you described at the beach house, and he tells Kimberly mm-hmm. she has to hide all her shit. <laughs> and pay the rent. And pay the rent. And pay all the rent. She's fine with that. Uh, <laughs> I just really enjoyed this little scene. I like the way they're playing out the divorce stuff so far. If I remember it, there are some more minor skirmishes to come that are very entertaining on the show. Uh, I like that Jane, for at least a couple minutes on this episode, has some sense of agency and self-worth, because normally she's been such a doormat. Yeah. Uh, I, she's still boring in general, but at least she has something to do. Uh, <laughs> so that's fun. And I love two things, especially about this. I love that this is where we got to go to Shooters for Girls, because I've made fun of Shooters for Girls for years. And, again, that it's the point where he tells Kimberly she has to hide all her stuff and pay the rent. And she's like, okay. <laughs> it's just a delight. It's a delightful little storyline that's forming. I I don't remember thinking of Shooters for Girls. Um, so, <laughs> that's good. You paid a lot more attention to the, the exterior of the restaurant than I did. And that's okay. Once I realized that's where we were going, I paid a lot of attention. <laughs> Got it. Mary, I have bad news. What? I think this debate is at a stalemate for another week. Oh my god, what are the chances? Oh my goodness. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll come to conclusion next week. Maybe. We just might. Did you have any other highlights that you would like to uh, share with our listeners? I did have a few. I mean, it's actually kind of a long list, but I'll try to <laughs> edit myself down. Uh, I was immediately sad because Rhonda is out of the credits. But, but, I think there's a moment that they, there's a little top of her head in one of the <laughs> My God, Mary. But they didn't cut it very well. Uh, I did like that uh, Heather Blocklier has been cut into the credits as a special guest star, but with actual pictures of her now, because that wasn't there in the first season. I really enjoyed when Amanda and Billy bumped into each other for the first time at the party. He asks who all these people are who we've never seen before and will never see again. And she goes, oh, they're my friends. People I work with, total strangers. 
he's worried they're gonna trash the place and she's like bitch i own the place and i thought that was funny she takes billy out to dance i would like to remind ourselves and the listener that during season one billy had a job as a dance instructor uh because you wouldn't know it based off of how he's dancing at this party he looks like everybody's drunk dad at hour five of a western wedding reception he is rocking back and forth he is wearing a charlie sheen bowling shirt from two and a half men he looks like an idiot uh he does it again <laughs> later when Alice and Keith arrive at the party. Uh, he sees her and he's just dancing so badly. It's so bad. Uh, Amanda is really excited to see Alice and really she's pretending to be. She's like, I love living here. I already feel like one of the gang. <laughs> and she asks where Allison has been and Allison replies she's been at work late. And Amanda <laughs> says, oh yeah, I'm so sorry to pile so much work on you. <laughs> Uh, Keith goes and gets Allison a drink and pointedly comes back and says, sorry, Billy, I didn't get you anything. Because Keith, bitch. Uh, Jane and Joe are watching the party from above and they see Jake dancing on some girl. And Joe says, what do you call a woman like that? She's too young to be a tramp. A bimbo? Bimbet? Which is already bad. And Jane responds, how about whore? (laughs) (laughs) Jane needs to remember who her sister is. Right? And I'm like, this woman has done nothing wrong to you. She's dancing with Jake. They're broken up. Like, holy shit. Okay. Uh, Allison gets drunk and Keith takes her back to the apartment and she starts talking about Amanda. And I don't know if this was supposed to be funny, but I was laughing. She said, I never pictured Amanda as the social butterfly type. A social moth, maybe. Or a black widow, definitely. And then she goes on and she's referencing the fact that Amanda lives in the building. She goes, Amanda in the morning. Amanda at work. Amanda at night. Amanda just is sealing away. What am I saying? We're really quite close. <laughs> no, you hate each other. It's terrible. Uh, oh, God. And then later, Joe and Jake make up, and they decide to move in together, and they start making out in the middle of the street in the dark of night, and there are cars lined up honking for them to get out of the way, <laughs> which was excessive. Uh, Allison and Billy are about to get frisky, and she asks him if the sheets are clean on his bed, and he says... Yeah, you washed him yesterday. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this is a subtle moment. Billy is leaving for work in the morning, and this is when uh, Keith is stalking him from outside in the car. And we see Billy carry trash out to the can on the street. And I said to myself, ooh, does this mean they don't keep them in the courtyard anymore? That's an upgrade. Uh, as <laughs> Keith is staring at him, Billy walks down the street, and he looks like a goddamn Muppet because his arms are flapping. He's flying the suitcase around in his arm like a child dressed up for career day. I'm like, how does anyone find this idiot attractive? I don't understand. Uh, when Allison and Keith are at the police station after he has allegedly been attacked, the detective says, well, you know, a few years ago, we wouldn't have taken this kind of thing seriously. But now we don't mess around. And I'm like, oh, what a ringing endorsement for this police department. <laughs> wow. Uh Joe and Jake are eating dinner after they move in together and he's wolfing it down and she's picking at her food and they're not talking. And she pops off in frustration. She's like, this was my fear. This. We're sitting here. We're having absolutely nothing to say to each other. We lived together for two days and we're out of material. And Jake very calmly goes, my mouth was full. I was enjoying the food. (laughs) Hold on. I'm sorry to disrupt your flow, but that storyline was so, oh my God. I just wrote, oh, because... (laughs) 
They were arguing about where does the surfboard go? Oh, he has the carburetor left out in the bathroom. He makes strange eating noises. Bitch, you bring him fucking bags of tacos and quesadillas and more salsa than you can handle? You haven't heard him eat before? This is not realistic. This was just... Oh, this was just sitcom tropes of men are from mars women are from venus what is it what are you gonna do about it i i hated it i was just like why did you have them break up at the season finale if we're just gonna put them back together right away no need for this no need (laughs) it's a completely valid argument and it's also really redundant because we watched this whole argument happen like three different times last season about how she's skittish about committing then they commit and then she gets skittish again like it's just getting a little like repetitious with this i still i enjoy when they banter and they're like joking around because that to me feels very real but i agree this was a little forced this Mm -hmm. whole little storyline um oh i did so we see amanda's apartment for the first time this episode and i understand it's also it's the first time we're going to see her because she moved in at the end of last season We've never been in this apartment before. Who lived in this place? It's enormous. And it's like 10 times nicer than all the other apartments. Like, who was in there? Was it just empty the whole time? I don't understand. It was Rhonda, I think. No, no, because Rhonda was in the little studio at the end. Which is where I think Sydney ends up later. I think I think she redecorated it. <laughs> she added rooms? <laughs> I'll do some research. I'll do some research. Keep going on your list. Oh, I'm almost done. And I, so at the very end, we get a little a little snippet of things to come. Amanda calls uh, Joe's apartment looking for Jake because, God, she really needs help. And she doesn't really say what it is. And we, we go in there. She needs help getting a TV up on a table. And I was giggling because it's one of those TVs from the 90s that are those giant, heavy black boxes. And I was thinking, like, thank God those aren't a thing anymore. Those were awful. Especially if you were young and you moved a lot. <laughs> they were terrible. And so Amanda's like, ooh, what a handy guy to have around. And Joe agrees, but then she makes that who farted face. Like, she's skeptical. And I wrote, dorms are brewing. And that's all. It was Rhonda's apartment. I don't think so. I don't think the, the, so. I, I have a map. I have a map. You have a map. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, because she was in that little studio apartment at the end of last season. That Amanda expanded it. I don't know what to tell you. It, she, Rhonda was was on the stairs. Remember, she came down those stairs. There's only two stairs up. The one from Rhonda's old apartment and Rhonda's new apartment. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so, I had I had just two notes that you didn't hit. <laughs> one, I got so excited. Uh, Billy researched stalking on the computer, and we were supposed to all be impressed about his computer skills. <laughs> he did it at work all day, too. He was All day. And the other thing, Billy, when he was talking, letting Amanda down easy, he said, quote, I know since my accident and your pregnancy, you know, that he went on. And I just thought, bitch, weren't those the same thing? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mary. That was a slow joke. It it kind of rolls over you. It does. It does. It really does. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, Mary, why don't we come back at this next week? I guess we're going to be watching episode two. Sometimes grown ladies want a little space for themselves. Am I right? A place tucked away from manly things. No beer (laughs) bottles slamming down on the bar. 
no pool balls rolling around smacking into each other all night no <laughs> mesmerizing and slightly abstract neon light displays depicting the game of pool on the wall no teenagers showing up ordering glasses of chocolate milk sometimes ladies just want to sit down at a table that's not sticky with a tablecloth on it and napkins cloth napkins and where the lighting is soft and flattering there's soft jazz music playing no jukebox with warrant cranking out and there's a menu and it has things on it that didn't come out of a deep fryer oh my god ladies i have good news for you and me and all the rest of us you <gasps> come on down to shooters for girls <gasps> shooters for girls has tables tables with tablecloths and cloth napkins and there's little floral centerpieces with carnations and there's candles there's candles can you see the day they'd ever be able to have candles sitting out at regular shooters you know billy and jake would be dropping their straw wrappers in them to start fires and they get wax all over the table and it'd be even more sticky and there's more beer oh god it's everywhere Ugh. savvy diners should check this month's melrose penny saver for a valuable coupon they can clip Bring it on in on your next girl's night to receive one free basket of non-deep-fried jalapeno poppers. Wait, what? What? A non-deep-fried jalapeno popper? Non-deep-fried. How are you cooking? Are you just smacking it? Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's for girls. Sometimes girls just want to have fun at a place that's not regular shooters. God, we go there all the time. I just, I'm so confused about these poppers. You're thinking too much about them. They're just not deep fried. Okay, so are, are gentlemen allowed in shooters for girls? I mean, according to the law, yes. Although we discourage it. Oh, geez, Mary. I just, it, it's good to know that while it's discouraged, it's allowed. Um, because I feel like it's the gays that we get to kind of sneak into that. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay for us. Yeah, it's totally fine for you. Yeah, it's fine. So, but to be clear, this is Melrose Place. So, if I were to show up, there would be no other gays around. No, and we would just kind of talk to you about our divorces or our. <laughs> and we would probably ask you to plan various showers for us. Wedding. Would you go ahead and out me to random strangers too? Yeah, that's part of the whole Shooters for Girls experience. <laughs> Because you have to explain why I'm there. Well, yeah, I mean, to, you know, to not to be brash, people will probably assume if they see <laughs> all the women at Shooters for Girls, but <laughs> you do like to make it perfectly clear. Okay, You're, can you make this perfectly clear? I can. How are you? How are you cooking them poppers? You don't need to, it's it's proprietary. They don't deep fry things at Shooters for Girls. It's lovely. It smells so nice in there because you know this deep fryer is going all the time. Oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be delicious. Light florally scented oh, jalapeno pepper. Because there's those candles on the table. It just smells so nice. <laughs> there's no sticky beer stains everywhere. Oh. Mary, let's go this weekend. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I'll make sure to find the penny saver and clip that coupon. So, wait, seriously, how, how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. 
and and uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ally McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. Okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God.